Hi guys, uh, today I'm just gonna continue on with our series about the Sabbath. And I also, just like Josh said, wanna talk about how Jesus responded to it uh, a little bit differently than what we would have expected and how it should look in our culture in our time. So we're gonna go back to Deuteronomy 5. This is also in Exodus 20 and it says, "'Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy "'as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, "'but the seventh day is the Sabbath day "'to the Lord your God. "'On it you shall not do any work, "'you or your son or your daughter "'or your male servant or your female servant "'or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And then it goes on to say, uh, you shall remember that you are a slave in the, in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day holy. Uh, so we also see this in Exodus 20, when Moses led the Israelites um, out of Egypt, and uh, on Mount Sinai, when the um, Israelites made a covenant with God, agreeing to be his people and abiding to his law, or the Torah. So that's where we see the commandments. And the Torah means um, direction or instruction, or teaching. And the Sabbath comes from a verb, a Hebrew verb called Shabbat. It means to cease, desist, or rest. God appointed this day to be holy. And it's separate from all others. He meant for it to be a day that we spend time with the Lord, the day that um, it's separate from our normal employment. And he also said, is it Sunday? No, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Sunday. It says you have to, to if you work six days, you have a day of rest. Um, if it's Sunday, that's great. Culturally, it probably would be good if it's a Sunday. Uh, I know for pastors um, like Josh and Doug, Sunday probably isn't the best day. They're constantly uh, working and running around. Um, but God wanted it to be the seventh day, and he wanted to make this holy. And he showed this in creation. He, uh, he created for six days, and then he rested on the seventh. And that was very purposeful. It wasn't because he had to rest. Um, it was because he was making this holy. And this was a gift as well. Dr. Matthew Sleeth said, um, he said, rest shows us who God is. He has restraint. Restraint is refraining from doing everything that one has the power to do. We must never mistake God's restraint for weakness. The opposite is true. God shows restraint, therefore restraint is holy. And the Sabbath is God saying that every week we must learn to just rest in God. Um, and that's also showing restraint and obeying him. But sadly, most people see this as a burden. They see it as another chore, another thing that we have to do, uh, just another commandment. But in 1 John, it says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And in Mark, it says, God does this for our best interest. The Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. He didn't this, do this to annoy, to annoy us or to test us. Um, it's just a beautiful gift, and it's a gift of deliverance that originated from the Israelites who had to build brick after brick after brick, day after day, a day of rest uh, for the bondage of slavery. And the Sabbath is more than just external rest, it's also rest about the inner soul. Um, we need rest from our anxiety and the strain that we have from our overwork, especially in this culture. Uh, it's just really an attempt to justify ourselves, all of this overwork. It's to gain money, to gain status, to gain others' approval, uh, and the reputation that we think we need to have. So being able to dedicate an entire day to, to God on the Sabbath signifies a reliance on him. Uh, it strengthens our relationship with him and allows us to focus on God's mercy um, so we can both love and be merciful as well. 
So legalism. This is something that has definitely become a shadow over the Sabbath. I think even when I started researching this, I, it was kind of this thing out there. I didn't know if it was really necessary because we, we constantly think of the rules that have to go with the Sabbath. So legalism is the strict adherence to the law or prescription, especially to the letter rather than the spirit. Um, so it's also thinking where we can rely on ourselves, we can rely on our own strength. Uh, and I had a conversation earlier this week uh, that explained it pretty well, and it was with fencing. So you start in the middle, and we have the Sabbath, and then around that we have, uh, you can, on the Sabbath, you can only walk a certain amount, or you can only exercise a certain amount. And then around that we have, okay, we can't build a fire, we, we can't cook, or around that we have no electricity, and it keeps on going and going and going, all these rules. There's hundreds and hundreds of them out there um, that the Pharisees made, that our culture has made, and we don't see them as much uh, today, but it's definitely something that we think of when we think of the Sabbath. And Jesus was uh, very clear on these legalistic views, and there are a couple instances in the Bible um, where he questioned these views. Uh, the first one is with the story of the man with the withered hand. Uh, and this is in Luke. It says, On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there, and Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he said to him, Stretch out your hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So the purpose of the Sabbath isn't to prevent people from doing good. And Jesus made that very clear. He knew that he was being watched. He knew the Pharisees were judging him. But he wanted to put across this point that the Sabbath was never intended to be this point of rule keeping and so focused on these rules. It was instead for the good of, of his people. It was um, getting the, the rest that they needed, the rejuvenation, the time to contemplate God. It was never intended to prevent from doing good. And it was made clear by Jesus that he had authority of the Sabbath, that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, but that the Pharisees were missing the point. And in this case, Jesus was also emphasizing uh, what we find in Isaiah um, when God says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of the lambs or of the goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Uh, this is obviously a very emotional point uh, in Isaiah. But it's also really beautiful. This was directed towards the Israelites as they broke uh, their covenant with God. But gosh, I just can't imagine having that kind of, um, hearing this thing from, from our God, just this passion. And uh, 
the reason that they weren't doing this is because they didn't understand what we find in Hosea 6. It says, for I, desi- for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And the Sabbath was created to teach people to depend on God's mercy and love, not to make all of these rules and decide uh, that they can't do good, they can't seek justice, correct oppression. Uh, aren't we seeking justice and correcting oppression from, from our lives, from, our, from all of the busyness that we're doing, um, just correcting that, that fault in our society and our culture? And another example we see is uh, a woman with a disabling spirit, and this is found in Luke as well, and it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which we work, and in which work ought not to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from the bond of the Sabbath day? Um, So... We see here this woman, uh, some believe that she was possessed, others believe that she had a disease of the spine that made her bend over, but she was in pain for years. Um, She was cast off, and for the Christian, obedience to God is not the letter of the law. We see, and Paul said, um, not the letter of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And Jesus really gave life to that day, and again, he knew the Pharisees were watching, he knew that they were listening, and in a way, he was, he was fighting against this because he didn't do a direct action. So they had trouble with um, saying that he was doing anything wrong. All he did was speak words. And uh, we see later in this pas- passage where people were just worshiping him um, as they should have. Uh, and the Pharisees were just dumbfounded and trying to find a way to blame him, but they couldn't. They couldn't find any fault in that. And the last way that we see Jesus fighting against legalism is tithing. Jesus makes a point to say that you shouldn't be tithing with the wrong heart. Giving reflects what, how our heart is, the condition of our hearts, where our treasure is. And if we're not tithing um, because we want to, because we know that it's um, for, for the good of the church, for, for God, um, but we believe because it's some rule in the Bible that we need to, to, um, to give a percentage instead of the real reason, um, we're looking at it the complete wrong way. We see this in Luke 21 where God um, chastises these Pharisees who were judging the poor woman um, for giving all that she could. It was a very, very small amount. And um, he said, you know, I would much rather have this poor man or this poor woman's um, small amount because she wanted to give. She was so eager to give and she really couldn't afford it, yet she did it anyway. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of wealth, but she, out of the poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So how do we recognize legalism? It's different from law keeping. It's different from um, actually following the commandments. It's something on a totally different spectrum, all the way to the right. Um, So let me suggest some things. First, uh, 
we're going to start with adding. So when we start adding to the law, especially with the Sabbath, it's easy to do. Obviously, the Pharisees added hundreds of different things to it. We start um, making our own commands equal to God's commands. And then also when we become too scrupulous, so if we start worrying too much uh, or more about if we're following the law, the law directly, um, if we're doing good, we lose sight of what the Sabbath truly should be. And third, when we become super legalistic, um, when it comes to the satisfaction of ourselves. So if we find satisfaction that we did really well on the Sabbath day, we really focused on God, we worshiped him, we had good time in fellowship, um, you're missing the point too, because you're focusing on yourself, you're not focusing on God. Um, and next we have offense. So if we become more worried about offending other people um, and about then offending God, then we're missing the point too. Um, we shouldn't be looking to gain people's approval. And last, uh, is there Jesus in this? So John Calvin said, out of Christ, the bondage of the law is wretched, and so too is the bondage of keeping one, in, one day in seven holy. So if Jesus isn't the center of the Sabbath, if he isn't what you're focusing on the Sabbath, then it's, it's not right. Um, and the Sabbath should be trusting. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from the heaven for you, and the people should go out and gather a day's portion every day that I might test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. Uh, this is a beautiful example when he gives manna to the Israelites, and they must depend on him for their, for their life, uh, something that it's hard for us to comprehend, but it's an alternative. The Sabbath should be the opposite of what our, our society feels like it needs to do. It's a gift. Um, it's something that we don't have to achieve. We don't have to attain. It's uh, not something that we have to possess. It's a gift, and it's just something to be received. Uh, and the Sabbath should also be obeying. So in John, it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And he doesn't say this lightly. He doesn't say this because he wants to us, he doesn't want to put us in some, um, some corner and put us through so much torture and pain, but he's doing this for our own good. Um, rest and focus on God as the creator. What more could we possibly want? It's this beautiful, beautiful gift, and he's giving us an entire day to do it. Um, the Sabbath should be a day of rest, a day of worship, a time of fellowship, a day of rejoicing, and just a time of meditating on God and his mercy and his love. Um, so it's a very difficult to avoid legalism. It's, we're five minutes away from uh, becoming Pharisees ourselves. Uh, no matter what we do in the Christian life, we're constantly shadowed by our stubbornness, our sinfulness, our, our self-centeredness, and we always find a reason to self-congratulate. The command is to make this day different. Uh, and for God and holy, it'll help us make the God the center of our day if we gather with his people for worship, morning or evening, uh, to listen to his voice as the word is preached and the name is praised. If it will help us glorify God and enjoy his day as we spend it with our families, uh, as we visit the unwell, as we minister to the needy, it will help sanctify the Lord's day uh, to take in the beauty of his creation and to enjoy our savior on his day. So I also want to talk about on the other side of the spectrum, we have triumphalism. So back in the day, um, we had all these legalistic viewpoints. So we, we created so many rules and we thought to ourselves, um, I can do this in my own power. We can follow the law in our own power. And on the other side, we have something called triumphalism where we believe that we're the best. We got this. Um, we're fine just the way we are. And then we go in right in the middle and we see 
the third way, which is the gospel. And the gospel is pretty much that we're saved by grace. A beautiful message, much simpler the way that I put it, but um, not in our own power, not we're fine just the way we are, but we're saved by grace. And the gospel gives our hearts the humility to appreciate. Um, Christians should be appreciative of work in all kinds of people. This is known as common grace. Um, he works through all people, through their gifts, not just Christians, everyone. Um, and does, he does everything by grace. And just like this, uh, the Sabbath is a gift of grace from God. Uh, and ultimately, we really should be appreciative of Jesus' sacrifice and his love for us, um, the true purpose of the gospel. And um, I want to leave you with these three points from today, and that's that uh, you really should be accepting of this gift. Don't fight it. It's so easy to. I know we're all so busy, um, but just finding that time with him, it's not wasted time. Uh, it's a beautiful time that you get to spend with your creator, um, loving him and realizing his mercy and make a day, decide on a day that works best for you. And think about what the Sabbath looks like for you, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Um, if you're an introvert, you might find better time with the Lord, just being by yourself and being in his word and praying. If an extrovert, if it means going out and ministering to the needy, to, to being with the poor, to having fellowship with other people. Um, and I want to finish this off with a quote uh, from... Um, from Tim Keller, and I think that it sums up this pretty well. Um, he said, the purpose of the Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production, nor is it the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy your God, life in general, what you have accomplished in the world through his help, and the freedom you have in the gospel, the freedom from slavery to any material object or human expectation. The Sabbath is a sign of the hope that we have in the world to come.